today we are thrilled to have Brian May from Profound Logic with us. Brian is a published author, award-winning speaker, and the vice president of product management at Profound Logic, where he leads the charge in transforming legacy systems for the future. Profound Logic has been at the forefront of modernizing and futurizing IT systems for over two decades, helping teams embrace tomorrow with cutting-edge solutions. In this episode, we'll explore the revolutionary world of AI assistance, their impact on legacy applications, and how Profound Logic is making it easier than ever to integrate AI into your business. Stay tuned as we uncover AI's potential to transform how we work and interact with technology. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. So good to have you here today. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, Brian, why don't you just uh, give everybody a quick update on you? And you know what? Here we are in the new year. Um, what have you been up to so far these first couple of months of 2024? So my uh, my <clears throat> beginning of the year has been solely concentrated on our new AI offering here at Profound Logic. So. In addition to being the VP of product management, I'm specifically the owner of our AI and API solutions. So when since there's a new AI product coming down the pipe, that is taking 100% of my attention right now. I can only imagine. And we're going to talk a lot about AI today. So let's just launch right into it. I've got a few questions, Brian, and I'm hoping that, you know, we can, you know, dive a little deeper um, into AI and what it means to our IBM I users and uh, this platform, uh, maybe even those who are just interested in learning more about AI, because I know you've been focused on it. You, you're bringing a lot of good information to our listeners. So go ahead and start talking about AI. Maybe you can talk a little bit about how AI is currently being utilized in the IBM I market space on the system with the platform in this environment. Maybe you can just start talking a little bit about that. Sure. So a big part of my job is, of course, talking to our customers and uh, other IBM I shops that are interested in AI. And what I find is that there's a common thread among all of them that they're all in the early stages, um, which is not surprising at all, right? Yeah, uh, AI is rapidly evolving and everyone's really just trying to get their arms around this thing. Mm -hmm. And so most of the most all of the IBM I shops that I'm talking to are really in those early stages where they're wanting to have conversations with companies like ours about, OK, we know we want to do something, but we're not sure what. Um, and so that's where having, you know, a partner that you can lean on. Uh, can sit down and say, okay, well, these are some of the things that other customers are doing. Here's some ideas. Here's some things we're looking into. Um, everyone's really in the experimentation stage at this point. Um, I think yeah. that the IBMI industry as a whole, though, is actually in a slightly better space than some others, mm -hmm. uh, so. which which may be a sh which you know may go against what you know others may think, but. Um, one of the things I think we have going for us uh, when it comes to AI when, for our IBM I customers is IBM I customers are generally running applications that they've been running for a really long time, which means they have a lot of historical data. 
And having all of that historical data can actually give you more information for AI to be able to leverage in trying to come up with answers to complex questions. Um, so that is something that, that we're rather unique. You know, a lot of our customers <laughs> have been running the same applications for decades. Decades, yeah. And so, you know, unless they've had to go through major purges, you know, they have decades of data that can uh, be utilized by an AI. So it, it gives us a unique advantage there. Now, the flip side of that is, is we also have decades old applications, right? Um, so, you know, one of the things that we're doing in our solutions is, is we are really laser focused on helping customers to be able to integrate the new features of AI into their existing applications. We don't want them to have to throw out what they've done. We're, we're coming up with ways to make it simple for them to bring AI into what they already have and keep that legacy that they have and be able to utilize it um, to get a competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. I like to say proven over legacy. <laughs> Those applications are proven. You know, they, <laughs> they've worked every day. They keep showing up, you know, proven applications. So, but yeah, and, and in some cases, yeah, they are legacy and it is time for a change. So with, with the rapid advancement of AI and this technology, I mean, it's, it's been what, 14 months you know, since we've really seen it take off. I'm just kind of curious, what strategies do you recommend for companies that are trying to integrate AI into their environment? Sure. Um, you know, what I advise our customers right now is it's the small things. Everyone wants to think, oh, how can we come up with this amazing solution that's going to do all of these things? Mm-hmm. That's great to have that as an end goal, but right now, start small. Um, I have, you know, I have some customers that I'm working with that are just finding ways to find to use AI to add small efficiencies, um, those quick wins, right? To say, okay, you know, this is all new, and let's be honest, it's kind of scary. Yeah. So let's do something small, be successful at it measure the value that we're getting out of it, and then let's scale that up. Yeah. And then that gives you an opportunity to make changes, iterations, and and adjust as you need as you go forward. We're going to talk about security, but I want to talk about ethics and responsibility Mm -hmm. when it comes to AI. What are your thoughts on that? Well, that's, uh, that is an area that's different when it comes to AI, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and we're going to talk, you said we're going to talk security and and we will, and, uh, and I'll reiterate this when we get there, but I don't talk to customers about security. When I talk about AI, I talk to them about safety. It's Mm -hmm. more holistic, right? It's more than just making sure that someone doesn't access some data that they shouldn't. It's also about the privacy side of things. It's about the ethical usage. There's a whole lot more to it. Right. So, um, you know, when I'm talking to customers about that, you know, I, the the first thing I think you have to have is you have to go ahead and you have to have a a an AI acceptable use policy for your company. Period. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't expect your end users to use AI responsibly if you haven't defined what that means. Right. Right. So it's it's having that that acceptable use policy and educating the users on on what that policy really means. Um, 
now there's also putting guardrails around that and we'll talk more about that later as well i assume yeah yeah but uh but yeah that that's the big thing that's what you got to do first uh, mm-hmm. from a leadership standpoint is you've got to say okay we're going to go down this road but we've got to we've got to go ahead and put in some rules about how this is going to be used because unfortunately what can happen is that you know a an end user can do something you know can go off and do something with ai that is detrimental to the company can expose things or mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. can be against the law um so it's it's very important that you that you define all of those things up front yeah yeah i agree and and i know we've seen some of those things in the news um in the last 12 months uh you know code that's been accidentally you know shared with mm-hmm. a you know, chat GPT or something. And, you know, unfortunately the employee then, you know, loses their job and the company is in trouble. So, sure. but I, and so just in that vein, then, you know, I know that the workforce and the skills of those using chat GPT, uh, AI, even it's going to change the landscape of the job and the skills that they need. And I'm kind of curious, what have you in your research, what have you discovered with regards to that area? I think that it's going to change, especially on, on the IT side of things. Um, and I think that I mean, my shops are very well adaptable to this, I guess is the way to put it. But um, I think you're going to see developers shifting more into business analysts, which is really mm-hmm. common, right, in the in the IBM I world anyway. Um, but, you know, with being able to build AI agents, um, you know, w- within our solutions or with anything else, you know, you're able to build these solutions using natural language. So syntax kind of goes out the window. You don't have to be you don't have to be an expert in laying out an algorithm to get to a result. You can just really tell the AI what it is you're trying to do, and it can figure all of the the bits out on itself. So when when that happens, then your coding skills, although there will always be some coding to do, don't get me wrong, um, but those coding skills become less I won't say less important, but less day to day. And then your understanding of the business becomes more and more important because those are that's the knowledge that you're going to lean on when you're building these AI capabilities is trying to describe the business case to your generative AI solution so that it can then help you to build build out yeah. um features so it, yeah. it's 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 I, I don't think it's going to be something where you know oh developers are going to lose their jobs no they're just going to mm-hmm. adjust their jobs yeah the job is going to be more and again this has always kind of been the case in in the ibmi world right we've always had a lot of business knowledge uh within our organizations anyway so we're very naturally suited to make the shift but that's going to be become a really important important part of it is uh the the business knowledge and the prompt engineering side of it yeah yeah absolutely very well said i i yeah our you have to learn the business to really understand what you need to develop right and yeah i think that's absolutely spot on so very good very good let's tackle security because it is paramount and uh when it comes to ai implementations and um 
I, I want to hear just your opinion, your personal opinion, and maybe what Profound is going to um, take as their opinion as they go forward with, with AI. So maybe talk a little bit about um, security, you know, um, your best practices and how you guys are going to implement that as a part of your solution for AI. So yeah, for for me personally, and I mentioned this before, it's it's more about safety than security. It's it's making sure you're taking a holistic look at it. Um, it's not just locking down authorization to access the AI. It's and it's not just um, controlling data access, although that is part of it, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. It's it's really making sure you understand all of the areas that are important in order to in order to use AI safely. Um, so as we've, you know, we've tried to take that into account as we're building solutions uh, for AI. So, you know, if, if I were to kind of create a list here, kind of off the top of my head when I'm talking about what does it mean to use AI safely? Um, obviously, you know, things like authentication are important, right? Prove mm -hmm. who you are. Um, data access control is absolutely important. And in fact, you know, in, in our solutions, we are, we've, you know, come up with a method that, you know, the AI doesn't have direct access to the database. Um, we're kind of in between there as a buffer. Mm -hmm. um, you have to understand, and this is, you know, this isn't even a, a technical thing, um, but you have to understand the privacy policies and data retention policies of the models you're going to use. Right. Yeah, that's important. Everyone's worried about, well, if I if I release data into, you know, this large language model, are they going to use it to train? Are they going to reveal it to my competitors? You have to understand when you're signing up for a large language model, what are those implementations and and are you under a plan that protects your data? Right. Um, the cheap ones don't. <laughs> but uh, the enterprise level. Uh, you know, plans do. So you have to make sure that you understand that. Um, you've got to have some sort of validation in, in place for the requests that are made of the AI. You got to understand what's happening there. Um, one of the things that we do um, in our solutions, which I think is is somewhat unique, um, we actually have control of the prompts. So if you just give an oh. end user access to ChatGPT, they can go and tell the AI to do anything in the world that they want, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so one of the things we do to help our customers to put those guardrails in place is actually IT creates the prompts for the for the agent, and then the end users can only interact with the chat interface of that agent. So it oh. allows them to actually in IT say, okay, this agent is designed to do this, and it cannot do this, 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 or this. Um, so, you know, if I were building a prompt for for an agent, I could say, okay, you are an agent designed to help with HR requests, for example. Right. And you can only answer questions that are related to, to HR and the documents that are uploaded to the AI. Any other requests are forbidden and you will apologize for not being able to answer those questions. So you just put a major guardrail and then mm -hmm. your, since your end users can't access the prompt, they can't circumvent it. Um, so that's, you know, that's one of the ways that we're trying to build a solution that helps our customers to control that AI usage. So they can embed an AI agent in a business application that's context aware. So we can we can then have it 
aware of the context of the screen that they're on, for example, and then also put guardrails around, okay, you can't do anything that doesn't pertain to the customer that is up on the screen right now, for example, right? Um, or you can, in the prompt, say, you can answer questions about this customer or any customer. That's completely in IT's control, right? So the and then the last thing that that we're that we're focused on from a safety standpoint is logging. We're making sure that we're logging everything, data access, all the requests that are made of the AI, all of the responses coming back from the large language models. We're making sure that we have all of that logged so it can be audited. Um, Again, it all comes down to trying, just making sure a lot of our customers are wary. They they are not fully comfortable that it won't go off and go rogue and do something it's not supposed to do. So a lot of what we're doing within our solutions are making sure that we have ways to prevent things from going rogue, but also mm -hmm. ways to go back and find out what happened mm -hmm. if it does happen for some reason, right? I like your idea about just starting small. Just yeah. baby steps, you know, just start with a, a small project, see how it works, and then go. Safety and small. Yes. You know. When you guys um, talk about your new platform, and I did a little research and I saw that it, you actually have an easy three-step process to deploying these AI assistants. And I'm kind of wondering if you could take a few minutes just to walk through that process and how it simplifies the integration of AI into proven legacy applications. Sure. Um, so it is a three-step process. Um, now it's, we've taken as many steps as we can to streamline the process. So the first step is you need to choose what large language model you're going to use. Um, right now we have support or are adding support to basically all major models. Um, open source models, commercial models, self-hosted models, models in the cloud, whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and that is one way that we're simplifying this for our customers in that we've are, we're working out the interface with the large language model so that the customers don't have to know exactly how to communicate with it. Um, they can just use the tool to be able to build out the agent and we'll handle the plumbing. Um, and so in doing that, it gives them not only the ability to just choose what model they want to use and be able to get going quickly, it also makes it easy for them to change models down the road. Okay, so, I was just going to ask that. What if it's not the right model? <laughs> you know, what if um, it's not the right it, one? So what we've yeah. done with our tool is we've made sure that we support multiple models and we've and we have... Um, we basically have a sort of a universal interface uh, behind the scenes so that if you decide that you're using, I don't know, Claude today and tomorrow mm -hmm. you decide, you know what, we need to start using OpenAI. It's at, mm -hmm. it's literally a drop down within the agent configuration to have it use a different model. So you've got your model and mm -hmm. you, you've decided on that and you're not locked into it. So if you're wrong, you can change it later, not a problem. So the next thing you have to do is you have to configure your agent. Um, so what does that mean? Well, that means using natural language to build your prompt, right? To describe what this agent should and shouldn't do. Um, you can add context from the screen that you're gonna have this agent um, embedded into. Um, then you give the agent access to any data, you know, database data, unstructured data inside of documents, um, any APIs that you'd like for it to call, or you could even write low code routines. Um, for a more complex tasks that you'd like the AI to be able to do. Mm -hmm. 
and then you're just testing it as you configure because in our in our IDE as you know you select your model and the IDE is connected to the model at that point so you have a mock chat window right there in front of you as you're developing you can be conversing with the large language model as you're changing the prompt and as you're changing settings um, so that you can say oh well that wasn't really the 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 response I was looking for let me make a tweak to my prompt and then ask again yeah. and yeah. so it allows you to streamline that whole process um, so once you've gone through that you're going through your testing cycle and getting everything the way you want it then the third and final step is just to deploy it and mm -hmm. we um, when you're ready to deploy, you choose the deploy option within the tool and it provides you with the needed code that you just copy and paste directly into the UI of your application. Um, it's, uh, you know, depending on if you want to deploy it as a button, as an existing button, or you want an embedded icon, or if you're trying to export it to a Slack bot or, you know, an OpenAI plugin or um, Microsoft. I just got Microsoft Copilot on my oh, uh, sure. PC uh, yeah. when I upgraded last night. So, you know, if I wanted to deploy to something like that, uh, those are all things that we're looking into adding deployment options for. But, um, you know, whatever your UI is in, especially a web UI, um, it will actually just provide you with a little bit of JavaScript to put in your onload or your onclick, whichever is appropriate. You just copy and paste it in there and it's ready to go. Wow. So have you had... Um... I know that you guys are in beta with your yes. with your product right now. Have you had customers approach you and say, "Hey, I'd like to participate in this and and um, yes. be a part of it?" Yes. Yeah. So we opened we opened up the beta just a few weeks ago. Okay. Um, we already we already have a few customers that are uh, that are in the beta program. I'm talking to new customers every day, so that beta program's growing, mm -hmm. and we're still looking for uh, beta customers. We're trying to get a really good group of beta customers that cover a lot of industries, a lot of shop sizes, um, but also that are um, that are willing to really partner with us. So, sure. you know, our our beta isn't like you, oh, I'm going to do the Microsoft Windows beta and they just give you a beta copy and you go do things with it. Yeah. Um, and, and our beta, it's actually a partnership. So when you sign up and, and join our beta, I'm going to have, you know, a meet, I'm going to have regular meetings with all of our beta customers to talk about what they're doing. You know, how are things going? How can we improve things? Um, have you thought of this? Uh, you know, just those, even if they're short conversations, uh, you know, in the beginning, I'm meeting with these customers every couple of weeks um, mm -hmm. individually, which is it's taking up a lot of time, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, but really talking to them about AI and how they're using it, helping them come up with ideas for their initial POCs, helping them navigate, selecting the appropriate model, helping them figure out the the you know the privacy concerns and and which ones are going to meet the needs of their industry or just their company policies. Um, so it really is a partnership. And then the the idea is by having that close net po partnership through the beta process when we are ready for the for the general release, we fully understand as much as we can about all different kinds of customers to make sure that the solutions meeting everyone's needs, not just what we think they are. Yeah, that's very exciting. Oh my gosh. I can only imagine some of the business use cases and the conversations around the customers coming to you. And just from that, all of the new ideas, all of the 
you know, hey, let's try this, let's try that, that come from that brainstorming, if you will, you know, mm-hmm. just talking about ideas. And I think this is such an um, uh, an amazing area of growth in our our industry and business alone. I think it's going to really change. I think about when I asked you about, you know, the workforce and job skills, I think about just programmers that are, you know, trying to write bits of code or are having issue or have an issue with a piece of code, not that they would share it, you know, what their, you know, existing production code would be, but maybe they can share, you know, a segment of a piece of code that's not in production or something that they're working on to help or solve the problem that they're running into, or maybe they're not sure how to write a piece of code and they turn to a, an AI assistant and it helps write that piece of code. I, I, I just think about like, oh my gosh, that for some people that could be hours of time saved. You know? Absolutely. Well, I mean, even internally, um, we use AI within our development team all the time uh, oh, for- awesome for uh you know assistance and develop and writing code for um, finding solutions to problems uh even for test generation um we're using oh, ai sure. in, in all in all aspects uh so even to the point of our first dip of our toe into ai um was we built a slack bot um that we named alec as in smart alec Um, and uh, intentionally gave it a little bit of attitude, but we gave it access to all of our customer facing as well as our internal documentation about all of our products. Mm -hmm. And so that's a Slack box that that we can converse with inside of Slack and ask questions about our products and how they work and how, you know, this feature interacts with with this other feature. And and it actually does... fairly good job of pointing you in the right direction and giving you the reference documents to go and dig deeper. And uh, that was kind of our first experiment. And so yeah. we've uh, we've obviously progressed since then. That w- that was um that was early last year I suppose is when when we started with that. But mm-hmm. now yeah, we have customers that are coming out with all kinds of great use cases and a lot yeah. of them come out just during conversations um that yeah. I have with them. I had I had one customer I'm trying to make sure I don't I don't, you know, violate any NDAs or anything, but I have a customer that's in a highly regulated industry mm-hmm. and that industry, um, that industry's regulations change based on state law, right? So uh, they, they're they actually looking at um, having a, an AI agent that is aware when, uh, you know, they have a customer's uh, information up on screen that it will know what state they reside in and then be able to answer questions about what what that uh, that end user can and can't do legally um, sure. in, in that industry. And, you know, before they would have to prep, you know, before they would call that customer and, oh, they're in, you know, they're in, I don't know, Massachusetts or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And they'd have to go and take a look at, you know, either the the actual law or at least, you know, they're summarized versions of, of what can and can't be done. But little things like AI can save a ton of time on that because they can actually ask questions of the AI as they're on the phone with the customer, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't have to go searching for those answers. They can simply say, can I ask this customer this? 
and the AI can then come back and say, based on this, you know, their state of residence, yes, you can, no, you can't. Um, it's it's really it's really powerful, and that's actually an extremely simple agent to build, but yeah. it adds so much value to them, especially when you start talking about you know new employees that just don't know the ropes yet. Um, it, yeah. It's it's amazing the things that that customers come up with. So I had a question for you about your internal chatbot and mm-hmm. Slackbot. Um, Alex, smart Alex. Um, okay, so as you guys started working with it and using it, and it, how did how did it get smarter? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'm asking the right. If the, how did it get smarter, or did you figure out along the way that you had to make changes so that it could get smarter? I I, I don't even know if that's a real question, but I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it, it, the main way that it got smarter was a, as the large language models got better. Oh, okay. um, so, you know, a lot of that was taking our documentation, our external, our, our internal documentation, which we keep, all keep in, in a wiki style format, um, and then, you know, making that available to the large language model. And, um, not to get too technical, uh, but you know, getting you know, building vector indexes, et cetera, to so that it can, so that it can use context to be able to look for information. But um, really and truly, once that part was done, there wasn't a whole lot of development that had to happen to it after that. Oh, okay. Most of the advancements after that were advancements of we were using OpenAI for that, so it was advancements in the GPT model. Going oh, from okay, you know it. three to three point five to four to four turbo, et cetera. And that's what's great about this. You can build a solution that works great right now, but it can become amazing just because the model. I love it. This is so this is so fun to talk about. We're going into trade show season. And I'm wondering, will you be demoing or showing your new product uh, at the upcoming conferences? Talking yes. about it? Okay. Yes, um, I will be there um, uh, along with uh, other members of, of our staff, obviously. Um, um, I will awesome. be at Common in Fort Worth, um, and we'll be okay. talking about this extensively. I'm also going to be in Common Europe. Uh, so we'll be, I'll be there for that as well. And um, I have been doing uh, presentations at various uh, local user groups um, over the last month. So... Okay. Um, I, I'm a little bit of everywhere right now. Basically, any anyone who will let me talk about the things that we're doing, I'm excited to talk about it. I think we talked a little bit about the future, but really, um, what do you think about future trends in this mm-hmm. area for from a business pers- uh, business applications perspective? So I think that these AI features, these agents, and and chatbots, whatever you want to call, you know, the the AI, the generative AI features, um, they're going to become an expected feature, not a, not a, oh, you have that. It's, it'll, it'll become a, oh, you don't have that. Um, And that's going to be a big shift. And so that's why we're doing what we're doing with, with this solution is we're making sure that our, that our IBMI customer base has the ability to keep up, right? Yeah. Um, But that's going to become the expected thing. And the way we see it right now is that the time will come um, probably soon that uh, when you need new features in your business application, you're first going to say, OK, can AI do that for me? Instead of, oh, we need to go out and plan a modification to the application is before we make that investment, 
Can AI do it? So the, we see a future of, you know, where your business applications actually adapt to your needs instead of you adapting to your business applications. Well, I feel like we're almost there. We're going to be there very soon. It's AI. It is. All right. Well, Brian, we have come to the end of our time together, but I wanted to just give you a quick opportunity. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you needed to share or wanted to share quick before we wrap up? Um, sure. So if, you, if you're interested in talking to us about AI, um, I, I recommend that you go to the landing page for our beta program. So you can find that at profoundlogic.com slash AI. Mm -hmm. um, that is, there's a form there you can fill out if you're interested in, in talking to us about that stuff. And we'll, we'll gladly get in touch and um, have these kinds of conversations. But, uh, you know, the big thing is, is it's, for me, is that if you're not talking about AI um, within your organization now, you're already behind. These are conversations that you need to be having. Um, now, how you go about implementing those, um, we would love to help and we we feel like we have a great solution to help you get started, you know, quickly and safely. Um, but if you choose to roll your own, that's um, that's something that is certainly possible. It'll just require some investment in time. Uh, but the the main thing is, is that you should you should be doing something. We yeah. don't want to see our IBM I customers falling behind the the other the other platforms. We don't want our customers to feel like they're limited um, by the platform that we're on or the application, their business applications that have served them so well for so many years. Mm -hmm. We don't want them to feel like it, that that's their limitation because it's not. And we feel like Profound AI is, is proof of that, that, you know, you can bring the this new cutting edge world of AI to your application that you've been using for decades and there's there's no reason that it should hold you back yeah yeah absolutely absolutely well said thank you so much well thanks everybody for tuning in and as brian mentioned head over to profoundlogic.com ai to check out more information about um, the beta program. You can fill out the form as Brian mentioned. Brian can be reached at bmay at profoundlogic.com if you want to reach out to Brian. I know he would love to hear from you, right? Of course. Yeah. And um, and then I know that there are some videos as well, Brian. Um, do you know the the link to those videos? It's your YouTube channel, correct? Uh, yes, you can you can find videos on our YouTube channel. You can also find videos on both my LinkedIn as well as our CEO Alex Reutemann's LinkedIn. He's um, we're we're both posting videos um, with sneak peeks, um, even some demos of the product as it stands right now within those within our LinkedIn accounts. Oh, fantastic! Oh, awesome! Well, thank you so much, Brian. Uh, Brian May from Profound Logic for joining me today on Power Talk with Peg Tuttle. It was an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thank you again. Have a great day, everybody.